With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Garden State of Hockey podcast. My name is Dan Rosell, and I'm joined, as always, by John Fisher. John, how you doing? I'm doing well in this winter wonderland that we have now entered to in New Jersey. We decided to skip the fall here in North Jersey and, you know, just go straight to 32 degree uh, frost covered mornings. Yeah, it got cold almost overnight uh, and stayed cold, uh, continuing on throughout the week. So it's officially hockey season. We can say that despite the fact that Devils have already started playing. And now that they're playing more than one game a week, it's a lot more interesting to follow along with what's been going on with them. And so since our last episode, the Devils have played four games. Uh, It was two decent efforts on a back-to-back that led to three out of four points earned and two frankly atrocious efforts that had them out of the game. Um, Maybe not in the first period in the latter game, but definitely both were not close. No, no. Very shameful performances. Really not good. Yeah. I mean, if this was, you know, talked about in temple, they would say it wasn't kosher. If this was talked about in a church, they'd say it was a sin. If they talked about this in, in, in a mosque, they'd say it's haram. That's how bad the performances were. And it all started with the four goal against first period to the Calgary Flames, who played the night before. And uh, I will I will say this, Dan. Calgary has basically ran through the Metropolitan Division mm. in, a, in, you know, in their five-game span where the Devils were the third game in, where they beat Washington in overtime the night before this game that I'm about to talk about. They crushed our hated rivals 5-1 to one in their building. After this game that I'm about to talk about, they went to Pittsburgh and blew them away 4 nothing. Mm-hmm. Then they went back home to Calgary to host Philadelphia, the second-rate rivals, and blew them out 4 nothing. well. So, you know, that's five straight wins against the most competitive division in the league. So yeah. Calgary's hot is kind of my point here. So, and- so both things can be true, right? Calgary can be hot and be a good team, but you can mm-hmm. also be participants in the game at any point after the first period, and that's something that, you know, the Devils actually picked up. It was – a similar first period that they had against the Washington Capitals earlier in the week, um, just really bad, uncoordinated. And of course, the special teams were to blame for, uh, was it one or two power play goals against in that period? Well, only one in the first period, but two total. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, this was a special where everybody just looked bad from the beginning and Calgary just jumped on them right away. Um, Andrew Mangiapane is hot. He's also very small. And, you know, there's been a lot of chatter about how the Devils are big, Dan, mm-hmm. bigger on defense, tough. They can be pushed around. Well, Andro Manjapane, who may be, you know, 170 pounds soaking wet and is definitely not, you know, I would suggest his NHL height may not be 
maybe a little generous, Dan, mm-hmm. but he made uh, he made Jonas Siegenthaler look like a cone in, it was, in that first period. For, I mean, very, among his um, two goals he scored in that period alone. It was a very Blake Coleman type move, and Blake Coleman was a participant um, as part of the Calgary Flames as well. So that move was very reminiscent of some of the individual efforts that Coleman had showed as a member of the Devils too. Some of his most memorable goals looked just like that one. Push through a couple of defensemen, fight your way to the front of the net. There you go. Make it for nothing. Everyone's happy, theoretically, except the fans in the building for the Devils. Yeah. And after that, it was playing catch up the entire rest of the game. And yeah. uh, they they never got it to within one goal after that, although the final score was 5-3, no. right? Yeah, it was actually the best outside of the Washington game. Uh, of the four Calgary Flames games that, that week, it was the closest game for the Flames. Uh, thanks to uh, Dan Vladar. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is a real name, Dan. Uh, was the backup goaltender. He made an oopsie to Pavel Zaka, so that you know broke the shutout in the second period. And then uh, just after Matthew Kachuk scored a power play goal to make it 5-1, uh, everybody's favorite uh, shampoo, uh, future shampoo uh, spokesman, Dawson Mercer, uh, picked up a score, you know, to make it five, two, then Pavel Zaka scored a power, uh, consolation power play goal, um, late in the third period to make it five, three. But at that point, though, those, those goals are the sorts of things that somebody points to and say, see, Zaka has four goals this month. He's must be doing well. It's like, yeah, but I don't think we want to put a lot of praise on Zaka or anybody else in this performance. This was just a straight up bad performance from the net out in this game. Um, again, you got blown out for nothing in, in the first period. Calgary had nothing to worry about for the rest of the game. And guess what, Dan? They didn't. Yeah, they they had relatively few issues bringing the uh, the game to a close, even despite the late goals that were, you know, entirely inconsequential, as you said. But it at least they showed some effort in that game, fighting back or attempting to, because I want to skip to the end of our slate of games here and say oh, that. Yeah. The, the game that they played in Anaheim was just horrendous. And Anaheim is not Calgary. Anaheim is not a very no. good team. This was a matter of the Devils simply not being ready to play on the road, simply not being ready no. for their first long trip of the year. And it was a 4 nothing finish with complete ease by Anaheim. I think the Devils had issues generating opportunities in any meaningful way, and they lost Dougie Hamilton early on in the game. Yeah, this game was a mess. Um, I would say the Devils played well for the first seven minutes. Mm. The first seven minutes, they looked A-OK. If there was a concern, it was the fact that only two lines were generating any offense. And that was the Dawson Mercer line and the Nico Heischer line. Um, Case in point, Mercer actually had two pretty great scoring chances. One where he was kind of handcuffed on his hands. Like the puck, the net was open, the puck was there bouncing, but he just couldn't find the handle to tap it in. And on a second one, Josh Manson literally dove to deny him uh, an actual shot on net. And Manson also denied uh, Nico Heischer right in front of the net on a power play later in that first period. But yeah, this game combined with the fact that this was also the debut of the Devils on ESPN Plus. So everybody Mm. got to hear the, the sweet NPR-like uh, tones of Leia Hextall as a play-by-play commentator. Uh, pro tip, it, it, don't get an NPR-sounding person to do your play-by-play for hockey and also try to do commentary on top of Kevin Weeks, who could actually do a decent job of it. Uh, nevertheless, it just added to the pain, the dulling pain of seeing the Anaheim Ducks make the Devil's penalty kill 
looked like scrubs. Second period is in particular, he sure takes a bad tripping penalty to make it a five on three to make it two nothing. But at that point, after even the first power play goal from Ryan Getzlaff uh, for his first of the season at that, you know, the Ducks just just had control of the game. The Devils just couldn't put two and two together when they had a power play. Um, you know, you see Dawson Mercer literally skate a puck into a duck. Dan, this is a team that wears black and orange at home. <laughs> yeah. How do you miss this? Like, that's a coaching problem when it's like, you know what? I'm just going to forget about what's in front of me and just do whatever the coach tells you. The Mark Recchi system is not a system. It's an utter failure. And it even had the, uh, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? The, uh, not the, uh, the fame, but the ignominy. I probably mispronounced it. It doesn't matter uh, of having four devils back in their own zone during a power play and giving up a shorty to yeah. Isaac Lundstrom to just, you know, add a little cherry to the pile of crap that the, that performance was. And, and to add further to this, Dan, just to make it even feel worse, to put some sprinkles on the excrement that this game was. Sure. Um, especially if you saw this game live, like you stayed up on the East coast till one in the morning for this. I did not think. Oh that. yeah, I did. Oh, you, oh, I'm sorry, Dan. Oh, um, I sure did. Well, in the post game, you know, the devil's official media account, you know, they're very good on Twitter. They're, they do their job. Uh, they highlighted a quote from Ruff and they decided to highlight this quote from Ruff quote. Um, the quote was about how the team was not prepared due to the travel, Dan. This is the second road game of the season. Yeah. This is the first trip outside of the Eastern Conference zone. If you're telling me the team wasn't ready because they were tired from the trip, we got some issues. We got a lot of issues this season. Because guess what, guys? There's more travel coming. That kind of thing just can't last, especially because their trips are so early this year, with the, especially the long trips. And I understand there's a difference between playing a road game in Pittsburgh and playing a road game in Anaheim. But still, again, you're back to a normal season. I know they had the least amount of travel last year, too, given the uh, division setup. But I mean, th- that effort was just really no good. It was top to bottom. Yeah. Every single moment on the power play was a complete chore. They got outshot on their own power play. That's special. Throughout the course of the game, they had less shots on their own power play than the Ducks did, which is so unbelievably inexcusable, again, against a team that is not very good or not supposed to be very good. No, a team that's the- also dealing with some injuries of their own, and I know the Devils are, and they're not really the iteration of the team that we thought we'd be seeing, but that doesn't excuse the rest of the players that are there. No. And it goes back to one of the major um, themes from this past month. Cause I did the month in review. It got posted on Monday and it actually ties into one of the main findings from that ties into the Tuesday game, which is that the special teams have been absolute garbage. Um, the power play doesn't, it, it has a static one, three, one, when they do get set up, there's no clear idea of who's out there. And I'm sorry, I understand Jack Hughes, is a big deal because he's the big deal. Dougie Hamilton left that game after the first period. He's day-to-day, so he may be day-to-day or he may be out for the next seven months mm-hmm. with this organization. Who knows? Because we don't have a proper media uh, to keep him to account. <laughs> but never the, But that's a different topic. Um, you know, You know. I understand the, the criticisms and the concerns over guys like Ty Smith or P.K. Subban or Nico Heischer or Jesper Bratt and so on and so forth. But you can't tell me with a straight face that with the roster that the Devils still have active, that you can't put together plays that emphasize the fact that you have a five on four. You're (laughs) dumping the puck in on a five on four. You're skating into defenders in a five on four. You literally have an extra man on the ice 
and you set yourself up such that nobody's open except for the man 60 feet away from the net. Mark Recchi, you're an idiot. And then on the other side, you have the penalty kill, which just got lit up again mm-hmm. against mm-hmm. Anaheim. It got lit up even in the Columbus game. The Pittsburgh game was the aberration because that game for some, for thankfully, Elaine Nazardine and the team saw the light and decided to play more of a wedge plus one instead of sitting in a passive diamond. The problem with passive diamond is that you have to play it perfectly because otherwise teams with good passers or if you get caught out of position like the Devils tend to do when they overload to the strong side is that guess what? This is a league where guys can make that pass to the man sitting in the middle of the diamond or outside of the diamond to kill you on shots. And that's why your save percentage on penalty kills are so bad, despite the fact that you're not allowing a lot of shots, because guess what? You're giving up the choice ones and there's converting. Elaine Nazardine, you idiot. Go back <laughs> to what was working before 2021. Yeah. This was a top 10 penalty killing team. Now it's still, it. now it's writing in the 70% range like last season's team. And this is legitimately holding the Devils back in general because they've actually been a very good five-on-five team, Anaheim game notwithstanding. Yeah, it is It is everything. It, it's impossible for them to maintain any semblance of momentum. It's impossible for them to stay in games if they're close, if they keep taking penalties and guaranteeing mm-hmm. giving up a goal. You knew once the five-on-three happened, they would immediately give up a goal. Right, it, and it, you it knew was... that when the Devils get a five-on-three, they weren't going to score. And Nothing's going to happen. They really did nothing with it. And it, uh, it was sad. And now Holtz comes up to attempt to bring some sort of offensive dimension, at least carrying the puck over with some possession. Because outside of Hughes, it looks like no one can do it or no one's even trying to do it. They've abandoned no. uh, the drop pass for the most part, which is interesting. But then they just replaced that with complete ineptitude. So that's an interesting strategy choice. But hopefully yeah. that resolves itself sooner rather than later. And it's, it's maddening because they don't do some of this stuff at five on five. I'm almost at the point of like, hey, guys, don't worry about the power play. Just play your normal game. Just run the regular lines. Okay, it's weird to see Frederick Gauthier on a power play. At this point, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it <Yeah>. doesn't matter <laughs> if he's out there. Anyway, but let's talk about the two games that were much better than the one that just happened. Um, the Pittsburgh game and the Columbus game. So this was a game that featured the return of Jeff Carter and Sidney Crosby for the Penguins. Yes. And uh, it was a short-lived return because, as we know now, Sidney Crosby has tested positive for COVID-19 and has to, um, you know, work out the protocol there. So is it something related to the Devils game? Doesn't seem so, so far. No, but it is auspicious that a bunch of positive cases have came up after the teams have played against the Devils because Columbus on the next night, Max Domi was found to be positive with the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. And he did play 16 minutes in that game against the Devils. So, mm-hmm. um, I, again, we don't know who's talking to who. We don't know how these things spread. I'm just saying it, it, it's concerning. So far after the Anaheim game, no duck has had uh, a COVID issue. Um, I will say L.A. and San Jose have been fighting them, but that happened before the Devils even came into their state. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's it's it, I think it's more coincidence, but it's still a concern. Nevertheless, the return well, so, of Sidney Crosby, first yeah, so road anyway, game, uh, they, after they that Calgary game. Um, just, you know, kind of licking their wounds from the Calgary game, like you said. And they went to Pittsburgh and they found, I mean, basically the goal of this was to see what life is like defending Sidney Crosby post-Travis Zajac. It is something the Devils had not had to think about basically since Zajac was in the league. They, they pretty much matched them up Um over the, I think over the years, Zajac had the most ice time against Crosby of anyone. 
I think that's a possible uh, statistic that could be real, or if not, it's one of those that sounds real, even if it's surprising. The point is that it happened a lot, and now they the had big to question figure is, it what out. What do you do? And right. so what they did was they threw Nico Heischer at the problem, and it went pretty well because the Devils Very limited. Well. Not only Crosby's chances, but it, it kind of seemed like those two lines washed each other out. And that's something that you'll take against someone like Sidney Crosby. Oh, yeah. And it's not just Sidney Crosby. It's also Jake Gensel, who mm-hmm. has been healthy throughout this entire process. So, and a I mean, killer against the Devils. Exactly. So holding each of those guys to just two shots apiece. And, you know, Crosby's biggest contribution to the game was a very important penalty in the third period. Uh, hilariously called, I might add. <laughs> yep. uh, but we'll get there. Uh, but yeah, I know there's been a lot of criticism on Heischer because, you know, he's a number one overall draft pick. He has the big contract. He's the captain. Jack Hughes is out. You know, where's the points? We need points. We need points. But guys, this is what number one centers do in this day and age. For all of all the fans that love to just say, just watch the game. Don't look at the stats. Well, watch the games, guys. The number one centers matched up against the other team's number one center. If you wash them out, that's a W for the road team. That's a W in the case of the Devils. So he sure more than adequately had did his job against Pittsburgh and, and case in point, a lot of other players played much better in this game, whether it's because the speed just worked better, maybe things just clicked better, but Andreas Johansson was far better in this game. Jesper brought, you know, definitely took his game up a notch in this one. Thomas Tatar played a better game. Even Jimmy VC, uh, you know, wilded out there. I'd say PK Subban probably had one of his better games in recent memory in that one uh, stupid high sticking penalty, notwithstanding mm. uh, you got a very good performance from a returning Jonathan Bernier who did really well in this game. Uh, there were a lot of good performances in this game up and down the lineup. So such that, you know, while it was a close game, the devils acquitted themselves against one of the better teams in this division in their building. And, and, and against, as you said, a, a team that was returning a Jeff Carter, who's been very effective for them in his short time as a penguin. And of course, future hall of famer, Sidney Crosby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the devils, uh, you know, it was pretty back and forth throughout the game, but mm-hmm. I, I want to talk more about the ending because of that Crosby call that you mentioned. Yes. Um, this was, uh, you know, it was a play where Jesper Bratt was sprung and Crosby, Whacked him. he whacked him and brat um went down and he went hard into the goalie and everyone thought oh no can they really lose another person but brat toughed it out went to take a penalty shot did the classic brat move and uh weaved around who was a jarring goal yeah and, tristan jerry and that was a late goal that gave the devils the uh the 3-2 lead that day and yes the thing about this one too is that it always felt like they kind of deserved more from this game. It felt like one of those where it might be tied late. They got an overtime and it's a point that you really hate to lose, but this kind of felt justified, not in terms of the call itself, in terms of the game flow. It was something that had been building for the devils for a while in this one. Yeah. Even though the devils got scored on first, I felt Mm. the devils played a very good game in the first two periods. The third period is where things kind of went awry. Part of that was due to penalties. Uh, Andreas Johansson got, victimized by an absolutely terrible goaltender interference call he gets piled into the into jerry by uh one of the penguins defensemen and somehow johnson got the interference call (laughs) Uh, okay bro maybe maybe this penalty shot call was a makeup uh the devils also gave up a goal early in that period to brock mcginn so it was too too early in the third and you know you're handing pittsburgh power plays you know that's never a recipe for success 
And of course, after they kill the John Johnson penalty, Subban takes his stupid penalty. Um, you know, so you have to kill it again. But again, the devil's penalty killers were much more active. They weren't just sitting in a diamond telling Pittsburgh, hey, let's see you try to beat this, um, which, you know, most of the league has said, yeah, we can beat that, guys. We know how to do this. It's not a good penalty system. But they actually did very, very well for themselves in this game. And the devil's power play um, wasn't a tire fire to watch. So that helped the offensive cause a little bit. Um, and of course, we also have to credit Janssen for capping off maybe one of the worst <laughs> uh, extra man attempts that I've seen in a very long time where Pittsburgh, Jerry literally tried to get out of his own net. He didn't make it to the bench because the Pittsburgh player got denied on the dump in. Yep. And so uh, Subban rifled it up to Janssen and Janssen just kind of went whoop on, on the goalie and just went, okay, empty netter. And Jerry's like just standing there going, I don't know what you want me to do guys. Yeah. Um, it continued his good start to the year. I mean, he was very present in that game. He was he, oh, yeah. he was buzzing around the net the whole time. And it was because that first line was so locked in against the, the Crosby's of the world that really Mercer and friends were able to flourish. Exactly. And it also helps when you have get contributions from a Jimmy VC or even get, even if they didn't score, or get on the score sheet, you know, that Sharon Govich or Kwakanen actually like, did some things here and there and that the defensemen, you know, did their, did their pieces as well. And of course, Bernier played a, a, a very, very, very good game because Pittsburgh was storming in that third period. And if you had Scott Wedgwood or Nico Dawes in that, maybe we're not talking about a, a, a four, two win on the road. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Speaking of Wedgwood, Dan. Yeah. They his had a final the next game day. as a devil. Yes. His final game as a devil. Oh boy. <laughs> Against the Columbus blue jackets on Halloween. This was a winnable one. This one was winnable. This was this was a bad night for Scott Wedgwood. This was a worse night for Ty Smith. Mm -hmm. So the the Devils get off to a roaring start with Janssen scoring a banger in front of the net, uh, thanks to Jesper Brout working a puck down low. But then our favorite penalty kill decides to sit in a diamond. Jacob Borchick says, "Hey, it's Oliver Bjorkstrand, Danish Gretzky, right in the middle of it." Pass, shot, score, 1-1. One, one. And then Ty Smith decides to try to feed Nico Heischer, who is covered by Jacob Voracek. <laughs> this was bad. And Voracek played it across in, in the eventual two-on-one to Patrick Laine, who scored on an unstoppable shot, I would say. It was a fantastic shot. But uh, that that little pass from Smith got him benched. Uh, the issue wasn't Nico turning it over. The issue was Smith put Nico in a really bad spot in the refs. Uh, I'm sorry, the coaches. And Lindy Ruff identified that and sat up. But the yeah. Devils made a comeback, Dan. The Devils made a comeback in this one. Mm-hmm. Dawson Mercer jamming it in. 2-2. Next play, Dougie Hamilton set up from Nico Heischer. 3-2. Devils are pounding the rock. And, and Junis uh, Corpusalo does an excellent job. Like, he was, he was the main man for Columbus in this game. As the Devils went on to dominate the third period until... 14 minutes and 30 seconds into the third period, Dan, the devils were putting on a masterclass on how to play with a lead. Even, you know, they, they had a power play early on in the third period and it was terrible, but Hey, the devils were out shooting them. Columbus literally had two shots on net. Mm-hmm. Ooh, the team that was down one goal was being held to fewer than five shots. Dan things were going. Okay. They were going well until Ty Smith all alone in his own end has the puck 
His wingers are going off for a change, but he had Damon Severson behind him. He had a goaltender. He had boards and space around him. He could have done nothing. He instead decided, I'm going to throw this puck to Boone Jenner, <laughs> the one four checker. Yep. We got numbers in our, in our favor, and I'm just going to throw, throw this puck in his direction. Guess what happened, Dan? Guess oh, what happened? Uh, goal against. Jenner got that puck, put it down, and fired a shot that Wedgwood should have stopped. Wedgwood gave up a bad goal there. But we're not talking about Wedgwood making a big mistake if Ty Smith didn't commit a, a, an even bigger, bigger, bigger mistake. And then to compound the pain, Dan, to compound the pain, Vladislav Gavrikov cross-checks down Andreas Janssen. Mm-hmm. And for that minute and 30 seconds of a power play, the Devils' power play looked like an actual power play, Dan. Mm-hmm. They were moving the puck setting up shots so much so that Scott Harrington in a puck battle, high stick Dawson Mercer. And now as a fan, you're sitting there, you're rubbing your hands. You're like ready to eat. All right. A five on three. I you think know, as for a fan, you seconds. kind of know better now. I, I was feeling it, Dan, the de- devils were killing it in that third <laughs> period out, until that Smith turnover. And even after the Smith turnover, the devils were, you know, pinning the Columbus blue jackets back. They were making the blue jackets look like the, uh, the Cleveland Lake monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, that's their AHL affiliate. I think they're just the Cleveland Monsters now. Yeah. Um, they used to be the Lake Erie Monster. Look, the point is, is that the Devils were doing well, and their power play was actually looking like one. And now you're going to get a 34-second five-on-three. If you don't score on that, you're taking the rest of the man advantage to you know fewer than 12 seconds, I think, left in the game. So the Devils had a golden opportunity to win the game, and then we got the full Mark Wrecking experience of seeing four men in a five-on-three below the goal line, trying to win a puck. <laughs> and by the time they get it out of, of that end, they lose it. And then we have to see them try to break out. And, and they got booed off the ice, Dan. The power play legitimately got booed off the ice. Well, the rock, it, it and they kind deserved of, it. It deserved to be. Yeah, it, it continues totally to it. deserve to be. And I don't really know why nothing has changed in very tangibly and easily identifiable ways. Um, but it can't. It just can't last like this. We've talked about it over and over again, but that was a prime moment where you have a chance to beat a team that is supposed to be worse than you this year. Those are the games where you have to pick up all the points, especially when you're in that game and really dominating possession for most of that game. You don't want to lose on a stupid mistake, but you do anyway because power play doesn't contribute. You end up going to a shootout, and we know the devil's history with shootouts. Uh, It is bad. And it was bunch of misses on the devil's end and a goal for Columbus and it was over and the devils take three out of four points, but lose their first shootout of the year. And it's especially frustrating because again, a lot of devils played a good game in this one. Dougie Hamilton had a good game. PK Subban even had a good game. Um, Jesper Brat had a good game. Mercer had a good game. Janssen had a good game. He sure had a good game. Like Zaka had a good game at when, once he appeared in the second half of the game. Um, if it wasn't for Ty Smith and Scott Wedgwood in that third period, we're talking about a win mm-hmm. and it would have been a huge win. You know, you're, you're going to go on the road. You're playing a division opponent. I mean, I'll admit Dan, that if you were to tell me that the devils are going to take three out of four this weekend ahead of, you know, the games actually happen, I would have said, I'll take it. But yep. having seen it in person, I want, it should have been two wins. Yep. And especially knowing that the Anaheim game was going to be such a big stinker. Uh, both literally and figuratively, um, you know, it, it, it hurts in retrospect that the Devils literally threw a point away in that game. 
So they've got to bounce back for the rest of this trip. They have uh, Los Angeles Friday night, and I think they have San Jose. When is that? Sunday, Monday? Saturday. No, oh, Saturday. Oh, they're doing back, back to back again. Okay. Yes. And uh, I want to highlight the fact that LA and San Jose are playing a lot better than their records may indicate. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in a sense, you could argue that's another reason why to hate the Anaheim loss because on paper, that was the easiest game. Yep. So, yep. And Dougie Hamilton is now officially announced as day-to-day. So again, we don't know if that means day-to-day or if he's out for the next seven years. Uh, with this organization, you don't know. It's not like Corey Massasak of the Athletic is going to ask a question. There's literally no beat reporter from New Jersey Advanced Media who owns the Star Ledger and NJ.com because they decided not to have a beat writer this season. So Chris Ryan literally left the organization saying that. Nobody, as, as far as I'm aware, cares at the Bergen record that has been owned by USA Today. Um, I certainly don't have the money to fund a beat reporter. So, um, yeah, no Dougie Hamilton, no Jack Hughes. We might get the return of Mackenzie Blackwood tomorrow. Alexander Holtz will likely make his uh, NHL debut. Um, But these two games in LA and San Jose, even if you had Hughes, even if you had um, Hamilton, even if you had a proper media actually holding the devils to account, um, those games are still going to be tough ones. And they're also going to be super late night ones. And once again, LA will be on ESPN plus, but at least Leia Hextall is not calling that one. Yes. Yeah, so we'll see how they're able to bounce back after a quite disappointing performance, as you mentioned, but um, you know, hopefully Holtz shows something here where he ends up lasting more than a nine game audition. It gives them a lot more um, flexibility to not include lineups with Geertsen on them, which is nice. Um, and when Wood does come back, they still have players that they can send down to pretty much make the lineup that everyone had envisioned coming out of training camp as it was. So uh, we'll see how Holtz is able to, you know, make an impact. Is it going to be something where he can starts contributing right away like Mercer did, or is it going to take him a little more time because he was expecting to be on Hughes's wing or something like that? We'll see. It's, it's yeah. He did a very good job showing himself down in the AHL, which is exactly what they wanted to see from him these first couple of games. It justifies this call-up, and it's a it's one that's done of need. It's not just a you know injury opportunity. It's something where they legitimately need his specific set of talents to bolster this power play and make it respectable. Right. So, and it it's really important that they sort this out as soon as possible, Dan, because the schedule gets worse after this. Mm -hmm. And now I don't want to start previewing the whole month, but this is a month where you're playing 14 games in 20 in 30 days. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's not like October where you literally have multiple days between most of your games and you can work on stuff and tweak things and so forth. Um, Because after this trip in San Jose uh, to San Jose, the Devils will return home on the ninth. That's next Tuesday to play a really good Florida Panthers team. Mm -hmm. Then they get to host an Islanders team that is still defensively stingy. You get to go back to back with an afternoon game at home with Boston, followed by our hated rivals at the world's most overrated arena on Sunday, the 14th. That's then you get, you get to go back to the rock for Ottawa on the 16th. And then you get to go to the sunshine state for a game on Thursday against the Panthers again, and the defending cup champions on the 20th in a seven game in 12 day stretch. It's going to be a tough this month. literally after the California trip. It's going to be a tough month, but it's one that every team has to go through a similar type of stretch right. like this. So, you know, yeah. if, if they're a team that is not any deeper than having Hughes and Hamilton, and again, also missing the first two string goalies for the first couple of games, 
was probably a little bit different in terms of the locker room morale and knowing who you likely have available for that. But again, if you are a deep enough team and talented enough team, you can overcome things like this and we'll see how they're able to perform. And hopefully it's up to their strengths at five on five in the rest of this California trip and coming back and starting to see the Floridian teams as well. Yeah. Again, we're going to find out for better or for worse, Dan, you know, how good is this team? You know, are they effectively going to sink or swim? Because as you said, every team goes through stuff like this, like a team like the Islanders, for example, they literally haven't had a home game yet. They're not Mm going to have one until November 20th. Uh, So, you know, you're not going to get a lot of sympathy here. Um, So, you know, the Devils really do need to sort things out, especially with their special teams and try to grind out some points so they can still be in contention when they get through the California trip this week, when they get through the seven day, I'm sorry, seven game in 12 day stretch. And then, you know, go hopefully go into December and it's still in a respectable position in a really, really, really tight division. Relevant by Thanksgiving. So fingers crossed. Let's let's hope that they're still at least in the discussion for a playoff spot and haven't just started dropping games already. So exactly for this week, that's all we've got. We'll catch you back here uh, next week when we record. Still not sure which day it will be, depending on um, how the Devils games go and how our schedules look. But regardless, expect an episode, expect our recaps of the games and updates on any Devils news that's happening um, out there right now. So as always, thank you for listening and let's go Devils. Talk to you soon.